Welcome to Knowledge Share with Dr. Dave, streamed on grokshare.com and broadcasted on iTunes and Google Play. You're listening to episode number 52, featuring Alicia McLean, Principal at Operational Innovations. The topic is Learn Fast, Inspect, and Adapt. Alicia McLean is an entrepreneur and an executive. Alicia McLean is an ex- Alicia McLean is an entrepreneur, executive at Alicia McLean is an entrepreneur and executive agile coach and trainer. Her focus is the application of leadership practices that help her clients achieve success. Alicia said, it's important to be selective about the work that you do, particularly if you have a vision you're targeting. The result was that it helped me to totally the result was that it helped me to really work on my training message, how I delivered it, and how I transferred energy to folks. I sat down with Alicia to learn more about her inspiration, challenges, discovery, and resilience. Uh, name, uh, Alicia McLean, gender, female, company, my own company, operational innovations, job title, executive agile coach role in the company is principal services or products provided. Um, I provide coaching services, training services, and under the training umbrella, it's general, like general agile, general scrum training, um, and then boot camps for product owner and scrum master. I also provide um, leadership training, and I do that more broadly outside of the, the scrum arena, but also inside as well, leadership training current length in your position. So I've been in, I've been an agile coach doing transformation work for 11 years. Um, and I've been independent since 2015. So all the time prior to that, I was internal as an employee and total years of experience in my field. Well, that's really going to date me, isn't it? Um, let's go all the way back to, I'll say 25 plus years <laughs> in my field. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you're as young as I am. How's that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's so interesting. Uh, someone was referring to people with over 20 years of experience as vintage. And I'm going like, wow, I've never thought of myself as being vintage. Yeah, there you go. So I'm vintage, yeah. And and I started my I started my technical career in, um, in database work. So I had... Mm did a fair amount of Oracle training and Oracle certifications. And I did some Oracle, uh, some database design work. And then I moved into to more database uh, support type work. When I was working at NCR, that's what I did, um, database support. So that's kind of my, my technical roots are in that space. So, okay, good. So we have like four themes, um, inspiration, challenges, discovery, and resilience. So let's begin with inspiration. And I'll begin with what were some of the experiences that inspired you to start this business or work in the field? Um, well, one thing I'll say that uh, got me very interested in, um, so I've always been a student of leadership theory, whether it's following certain authors around the subject of leadership or following the the evolution of thinking around leadership. So that's always been something that has 
been interesting to me and intrigued me. I think about all the way back to when I was in college, I would lead a leadership training and workshops in my, in my sorority in college. So, I mean, I, I've been doing this for years. Leadership is not a new thing for me. So the combination, I think, of leadership as well as how organizations move and change, I'll, I'll cite a specific incident that really got me interested in this idea. Back when I was in, at NCR, this is between 95 and 2001, I, um, I was working at the NCR facility here, NCR slash Teradata facility here, doing the work that I was describing, the database work, and um, they formed a diversity team, uh, a campus-wide, or, or actually region-wide diversity team that covered the Rancho Bernardo San Diego facility as well as the El Segundo facility. We started doing work. So someone asked me to lead that. I'm not sure how that happened, but they <laughs> asked me to lead it. I led that team. And we really began to, it was right around the time when NCR had just uh, been bought by AT&T GIS. And AT&T was much more forward-thinking company around diversity and inclusion than NCR was. And so this, this facility here in San Diego was an NCR facility. And so they still had this old thinking around, you know, diversity and inclusion. And so the point of the diversity team was to start to shift the mental model around how to include women and minorities <laughs> in positions of leadership and, 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 and just really bring that whole thinking forward. That was really the, the role in the, in the charter of the diversity team. And so we had campus-wide um, responsibility. We had a budget. We reported that to the, to, to the general manager who was over all these facilities. And we really started to shift or move the needle around people's thinking around diversity and inclusion. And, and this went all the way up to the highest levels of the organization. And so this was, you know, we, we did work with the local leadership team at the highest level, as well as people out of Dayton, Ohio, because we were still sort of NCR-ish but AT&T GIS was the name of the organization. And so um, this was the inspiration that really started me on this path of organizational change and how organizations shift and move and, and how um, people uh, who, are, who can be pretty closed off to an idea can shift their thinking and change their mental models about things. And so we worked with the uh, chief legal counsel for NCR slash AT&T GIS. We worked with the uh, other members of the C-level as well as those here in San Diego and Los Angeles. And we won, uh, when I say we, I was the head of this team, but we had a, a whole team of people that, that worked on this. And we won, in two instances, we won international acclaim for this work that we did. And so I thought, wow, that was fun. I mean, it wasn't my job, which was interesting. My job was to do database support, and all of this other work was all voluntary. And it was voluntary because it's important. Not just, it wasn't important just to me. It was important to all the people that participated. And it was important for the growth and maturity of our campuses in San Diego and, and Los Angeles. And so as I transitioned from that work into, you know, my later years in work, that really was the, I'll say, the genesis of the practice of organizational change. And, and how those, how that kind of thing can work. That's, that's kind of it. <laughs> I know it has nothing to, do, nothing to do with technology, but. And, and, but that doesn't really matter. It's just what, what the inspiration was. So let's go to the theme of challenges. 
The question is, describe significant challenges experienced in your professional journey. So there's a politically correct answer I could give you, and then there's the reality of <laughs> the way I see it. <laughs> Which would you like to have? I, I like truth. <laughs> <laughs> this this okay. is my truth. Whether it's true to anybody else is another story, but this is my truth. And so, so all the way back to 95, I stood out in my field because I was the only female in some instances and definitely the only African-American female in the work that I did. So when I went to classes, wherever I went to them, whether it was, or I mean, I went to classes in D.C., I went to classes up in Redwood, taking Oracle certification classes, and I'm the only female in there most of the time, and definitely the only African-American female, and sometimes the only African-American person. And so socially, um, the reason why this did not affect me it might have otherwise is because I grew up in Orange County. <laughs> so being the only one wasn't, I wasn't new, that wasn't a new idea for me, but I would say what, what it could be challenging about this when I take it back into the workplace is, is people believing that I know how to do what I, what I do. <laughs> just, just professional credibility is a Building professional credibility, I feel like, is a, an order of magnitude <laughs> more difficult than perhaps other people who are the majority in this work. And so I don't use that or, or, or have that as a, I don't have a chip on my shoulder about it. I just understand that it is my charter as a professional in this space to, uh, to be credible, to do what I say that I'm going to do. And to, and to be at the highest level that I can possibly be in my game, because it takes at least that to come up to the level of someone who is not in the same race or gender category in this work. Amen to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the, the next question is, how did those experiences shape your thinking? Well, I'll say one thing about how this shaped my thinking. One, one of my practices is to play my own game. And let me tell you what I mean by that. I am not looking over my shoulder worrying about what someone else is doing. I'm not, I'm not focusing. I'm not one of those keeping up with the Joneses kind of person. I'm not that professionally and I'm not that personally. And so my focus is on my development as a professional and my ability to make a contribution in my space. What other people are doing, good for them. And can I be inspired by that? Sure. Can I be um, uh, energized by it? Sure. But I'm not going to be persecuted by it. And so I play my own game and I don't let... Even if, even if, even if someone that I'm, I'm not going to say competing with, but someone that I'm in the same space with, if they get something that I feel like I should get to for the work that I've done, I'm more apt to be self-reflective about how I can be, how, how I can do this thing better instead of saying, you know, crossing my arms and getting all pissy about the fact that, you know, some person who I might look at that is, you know, maybe has less education, less experience, less whatever. I need to look at what I'm doing to bring my game so, so that it can be recognized equally. That's the game I'm in. Most excellent. Sorry for disrupting. So discovery is the third 
theme that I'm looking at. And so I'll ask, what techniques or practices did you apply to amplify opportunities or dampen adverse results? So what techniques or practices do I amplify? So let me, let me focus on that one. This is a, I like this question. So part of it, one of the things that I amplify is, is my attitude, just like I just described, right? So I'm not going to begrudge someone else because they have something that I feel like I can get or that I am on equal footing to get as well, and I don't get it, and they do. I'm going to be self-reflective about that. So, that, so attitude is the first thing. The second thing is to amplify op- opportunities. I, I am huge on doing what I say I'm going to do. If I'm going to do something, even if it's like I meet somebody at an open space that's coming up in the next couple of days, so that's why this came to my mind. I frequently find that I meet people, we exchange cards, and they're like, yeah, we'll stay in touch. When I say that, I mean it. And when I, when I reach out to people and connect, whether it's through LinkedIn, or, you know, depending on the kind of connection it initially was, whether it's LinkedIn or whether it's say I'm going to call you or I say I'm going to follow up or something, I do that. Because I find that so many people don't do that kind of thing. So I feel like I amplify opportunities because I am very serious about networking. And I have a, a pretty beefy network as a result of that very specific and diligent work that I've done. I've been in San Diego a long time, but I mean, there, there's not a name that comes up that I either am not one degree away from, or I know this person directly. And so, and then I keep an, so the third thing is, so the first thing is attitude. Second thing is network. Third thing is along with attitude, trying to keep my stance as a leader to be one that is of service to others. And, and that, you know, that takes work, right? I mean, because you constantly can run around thinking, oh, I didn't get this or I didn't get that or blah, blah. I don't have time for that. I, I really want to keep myself in service. Now, do I get disappointed when I don't get something that I feel I should have gotten? Of course, I'm human. But I, I have to stomp around in that for a minute and then get over it and get back into my stance of service and stance, my stance of leadership and my stance of focus on development. If I think about dampening adverse results, the, the thing that's coming to mind just by reading that is um, one of the things that I do to dampen adverse results is I, and I don't know that I try to do this. I feel like it just comes naturally because I feel like I'm where I need to be right now, but I have a real joy to my work. And Especially when I'm uh, doing training, there is something that I just love about training. <laughs> I mean, I love all the other stuff too, you know, coaching and all that other stuff, but there's just something about training that brings a real light to my spirit and my soul. And so I, I really hold that joy around my work. And, and I think that that helps to dampen adverse results, being of service and holding that joy. Excellent. So my next question is, what creative or innovative ideas allowed you to achieve your organization's or personal goals? I don't know that it's necessarily creative or innovative, but um, <laughs> being deliberate about the choices that I make, and, um, and so I'm having a, a flash through my mind right now, and I'm just going to have to speak this so I don't forget to mention it, but I read this book that I just love. And it's reminding me of this whole concept of um, 
I'm looking in my bookshelf and I don't see it. Where the heck is it? Maybe I have given it to somebody. Oh, no, here it is. So the name of the book is uh, Essentialism by Greg McCowan. And it's The Disciplined Pursuit of Doing Less. And I don't remember when I read that book, but it's been in the last few years. And I just love this book because it it reminds us as readers and leaders and people running businesses in, in our lives that, that we don't have to sign up for every damn thing that's going on. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that it's important to be selective about the work that you do, particularly if you have a plan that you're, that you're building to. So let me give you an example of that. Back in 2012, around that time frame, I started getting phone calls from all the, the major uh, institutions here in San Diego asking about an Agile class. Um, they, these institutions, so San Diego State, UCSD, USD, all calling on me to because they were wanting to build these this class into their curriculum and the extension. And so I was working at Care Fusion at the time and I was so completely overcommitted. Not overcommitted in the well I was. I was overcommitted in the work. I had like three jobs. I was head of the PMO for hosted. I was the agile coach for the whole division and now I was getting ready to be the agile coach for somebody else's division. So I had three jobs. Oh way overcommitted but I thought, you know what, this might be an opportunity for me to um continue to, to develop my craft as a trainer. And so I did that. And the, the, the end result of, you know, I don't know if you've ever taught for extension or in the UCSD system, but it's not, you don't do it for the pay. I'll just put it that way to be kind and, and <laughs> direct about it. Um, <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. 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 You don't do it. You don't do it for the pay. And so, and what that, so it helped me to do a couple of things. It helped me to sort of really work on my, my training message and how I delivered it and, and how I transferred that energy to folks. And then it helped me to build my network. And so talking about this concept of organization's goals, when I uh, decided to launch as an independent coach, um, I just followed up with one of the students at the end of the class and said, hey, do you come into businesses and do this? Because every single class someone came in and asked me, did I do this? And I always said yes, but I never followed up because I didn't need to. I had a full-time job. And so my first student that I followed up with was my best first client. They were an international client, and I did work in San Diego. I did work in Scotland. I did work in Sweden. And, and that was my first year out as an independent coach. And they didn't bat an eye at my rate. They just paid it. And we were really good for two years <laughs> into my first you know, foray as an independent coach. And so I don't know that it was creative or innovative. It was, I guess, trying to foresee what I could do with that, that space teaching at UCSD, not just building the network, but, you know, what might this turn into? And it, it, it turned out to be a, an amazing way to build my business. And so you took advantage of a great opportunity that was right before your eyes. Yeah. At times we tend to miss those. Yeah, yeah. So our fourth theme is called resilience. Now imagine that you are a fingernail away from achieving your dream and you ran out of resources. What would you do? Well, I, I almost never feel like I've completely run out of resources because I have such a broad network and I have, I have um, a lot of deposits in many uh, bank accounts, emotional bank accounts of a lot of people. <laughs> and so I feel like I can call on others and, and turn this into a village effort if I need to. Yeah. 
I would, I would, I would, um, because when I read this, I read, I've tapped my own, just in between my own ears, I've tapped out my resources. So now I have to go into the network and that, and that's what I would do. I would, I would, uh, the first thing I would do is I would, I would speak my impediment (laughs) into the universe. Like I would talk to a couple of people about it because talking with people, I can get out of my own head in terms of problem solving and I can start to explore other ways that I might, because I might be a little stymied in my three approaches that I think are going to get me there. Let me give you an example of this. So I've applied for a CEC and that process is an interesting one. So I had a reviewer reject my application to understand where that person is coming from with their feedback. I, um, I have a friend that's a, she's a, a clinical psychologist, I guess. She's a therapist, you know, talks to people, you know, in therapy sessions. She offered to look at my application just to give a different perspective to it, you know, and I thought, well, this is completely outside of the box that I would even think because this is not in her space, but there might be something that she might see in this that I can, you know what, I'm not telling my story right or I'm not, you know what I mean? So I, I, I try to um, call on my network and, and think outside of the box of where I'm currently thinking. Yeah, that's so essential, isn't it? It is. So let's go on to the next question. So describe a time when you had to demonstrate courage and tenacity in the face of obstacles. I'm I'm pausing here because I feel like I have to do this every day when I <laughs> not when I work with my clients, but when I when I, I feel like when I walk into and this is maybe this is just me in my own head, but I feel like whenever I go like to the scrum gathering or any of those uh forums where all are present i feel like there's just a need to keep my head high in those forums and i don't mean that in a nose in the air kind of way i just mean i belong here just like everybody else does (laughs) even though i might one you know the only african-american female in the whole room i belong here just like everybody else does (laughs) and so in a forum like this you know it could be it could be easy to take things personally. So like you could be going up to approach somebody and and they've got something else on their mind. So they, they might come off as snubbing you or whatever. You can't take that kind of stuff personally. You can look at it as, as an obstacle or you can move on to the next person, <laughs> you know. I, I'm not sure why this particular question is bringing me to these broader forums. That's That's kind of where it's taking me because I don't have these, I don't feel like I have I don't experience this kind of feeling in my dealings with my clients. It's mostly when I'm in the, the broader forum. Well, the, the, that forum can be difficult. <laughs> yeah. So I have empathy with you yeah. in that context. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so I, um, but I don't feel like I, I mean, I did recently have a, a bit of a challenge with uh, my client, the one that I was describing because they had um, what, when I started working with them, I was working with the San Diego facility and about nine months into our work together, after this facility had been in San Diego for 30 plus years, they decided to shut down the whole San Diego facility and move all the operations to Sweden. And so 
something that I faced there is, and it, I mean, the minute they told me they were shutting down the facility, I kind of knew that this gig was over. It was kind of a bummer because I was really, we were getting to the good part, you know, of, of that, that transformation work where they're now they're turning the corner. They understand the what they're understanding the how, and then that now, how do we start to reshape the organization and really get them coming on all cylinders? So I was really kind of bummed, but I, but I just knew that you're not going to want a San Diego coach, <laughs> you know, when you, when they really do need more regular coaching, they need more of that and they need someone local. And so just the having the handoff was, because um, there were some things that led up to that, that were kind of pointing to them wanting to, to have someone local. And so that was a little frustrating, but, you know, I just, I kept, uh, I kept my stance of service to them. And I still keep that stance of service to them. That's so excellent. That's so good in, in terms of your responses today. wanted to just say thank you. Thank you for uh, contributing and, and sharing um, your experiences. Um, I, I think elastic, elastic minds are, are rare. And I truly think you're one of them. So that's why I thought it was important to uh, get you involved with, with this project that I'm working on. Well, well, thank you so much. Yeah, I appreciate that. Okay, is there anything else you would like to contribute before I stop recording? Um, probably in the in the resilience area. Probably number six about you know when you feel like you're running out of resources. You know, this goes back to the networking. Um, I don't think enough people pick up the phone and call folks. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I, and maybe that's old school, but, you know, I have some, some training in my background that taught me very well and served me where, very well at the time when I learned it to pick up the phone and follow up with people. So not just, oh, I'm going to reach out to you on LinkedIn or whatever, but pick up the phone and talk to people. And I think that that has served me well because people are almost caught off guard anymore. Yeah, I think it's like some freakish thing, but it it's a, it's a great way to connect. If I think about some of my favorite favorite books, keeping my mind in a creative space and an elastic space, the Essentialism book is one of them, and then one of my favorites is the Fifth Discipline. That's more about just understanding, you know, learning organizations and building that, and then also uh, Lelou's book. Um, uh, oh, reinventing organizations. Those are just three, three of my favorites. I always nice. have a book to share. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Fifth Discipline is definitely one of my favorite books. I've read it several times, and it's um, one of the essentials in my doctoral research. So, uh, yeah, yeah, good, great stuff. We would like to thank our sponsor, Nalshare, for the continued support for this podcast. Visit nalshare.org to achieve your awesomeness through agile coaching and training, digital transformation strategy, agile organization development, lean business startup, and diversity and inclusion training. Thank you, Agile Alliance, for the Meta Pro account sponsorship. Learn more about Agile Alliance at www.agilealliance.org. We support lean thinking and agile life skills education through the Five Saturdays program. Visit www.fivesaturdays.org to donate your time, money, and knowledge. Check out Dr. Dave's latest book, Elastic Minds, What Are You Thinking? on Amazon.com.
You will also find his book, Transforming Your Leadership Character, The Lean Thinking and Agility Way on Amazon.com. Look for the Null Share with Dr. Day podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. The Null Share with Dr. Day podcast is streamed on grokshare.com. If you have questions for Dr. Dave, reach out on Twitter at Dr. Cornelius Info or at Nalshare. This podcast is produced by Dr. Dave Cornelius. Copyright 2018. Nalshare. All rights reserved.